Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful. The Islamic Propagation Office at Rabwa, www.islamhouse.com. It's pleased to present to you this lecture. <laughs> In the previous class, we looked at uh, separation of sexes, uh, Islam being spread by the sword, the idea of Muslims having sex like Christianity. Um, in this class, actually, we'll be looking at the criminal law, Islamic criminal law, you know, which is generally speaking. Uh, identified as being particularly brutal, you know, because of the fact that the adulterers were sold to death, uh, fornicators were given a hundred lashes, thieves, their hands were cut off of the wrist, you know, those who are drinking, drunk, 80 lashes, these are public executions that take place. So, this is what we're looking at, but before looking at that, uh, one of your classmates has an issue that they would like to raise for discussion, and that is the issue of homosexuality. Uh, from what perspective do you want to look at it? Okay, from, from an Islamic perspective, from perspective on homosexuality. First and foremost, now before looking at it, one can look, for example, in Christianity, which precedes Islam, and which Islam holds as being fundamentally uh, the basis of beautiful teachings were the same teachings that Prophet Muhammad brought. They were both prophets of God and they found the same basis of teaching. And before both Jesus and Muhammad, they got to be on both of them, there were other prophets, uh, David, Moses, such Abraham, they all prophets in the same teaching. Now in Mosaic law, the law was well uh, documented in the Torah, the Old Testament, you know, especially the first uh, five books of the Old Testament, is generally referred to the Torah. You will find uh, rulings made on homosexuals. And the ruling there is that it is something sinful, it is something where the person who practices this should be killed. Furthermore, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which was supposed to be in the towns where uh, Prophet Lot and Luke and Arabic, uh, was uh, a sign that those people were destroyed for their deviation. Sodom, the word Sodom came into criminal law as Sodom. Sodom, which which is considered a crime, actually, even to today in many uh, countries. Sodomy uh, remains something which is known to be something evil, something despicable in society. Literally, sodomy, I don't know, you know what sodomy means? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I can't believe that. I mean, sodomy is 
is, uh, you can say, basically defined as anal sex. Right? I mean, this is obviously coming from the part of the male. Uh, particularly in the case of two males, and then there is going to be a process of homosexuality. Right? Uh, in the Quran, the Quran confirms the story of the people of Lot, they call Qawmus, and so in Arabic, Qawmus becomes synonymous with homosexual. The word for homosexual that we use is Luthi. Right? Which, which literally should mean a follower of Lot. Lot with Lot, but it doesn't mean uh, a, a homosexual. And the destruction of the people uh, of who Prophet Muhammad was sent described in the Quran, uh, and it described there that they preferred, you know, relations amongst uh, the males, males amongst the males, females amongst the females, instead of uh, male-female relationships. So it's made clear there that it is an issue of homosexuality. This is the, this is the crime for which uh, God destroyed the people. So, it is looked at as a, a sin, a crime, according to Islamic law, one who is caught in the act uh, is executed, according to Islamic law. That's the Islamic view. <laughs> yeah, you raised the topic, so uh, I mean, you want to... Uh, what the modern view, of course, I think we spoke about this before, that I mean, this was the general view held by the world up until the last 25 years, 20, 25 years, when uh, in the West in particular, in, in uh, England, in America, especially in America, uh, homosexuals joined in the freedom uh, riot movement. Uh, I remember I spoke in the previous class about the, the black power movement where black Americans were seeking their rights in the 60s, early 60s, they were burning out to demanding their rights. Now, they got, at least on paper, you know, certain confirmed rights for themselves, and following them was the women's rights movement, because they had joined in and supported this, a number of the groups had joined, and so then their movement came to the forefront. And Following the women's rights movement, which was now the late 60s, early 70s women's rights movement, women demanding equal pay for equal work and, you know, uh, protection against, uh, male harassment and all the questions. Uh, then, what followed that was the, uh, gay rights movement, they call it. Uh, homosexuals in the Western terminology are referred to as gays, you know, like gay, I don't know. As you said, you know, the term is refused. Uh, there are different uh, slang terms, but in England they're called sisters. You know, where that name came from again. Uh, uh, in American uh, terminology, they also use the term fag, or faggot, is the name used to refer to homosexuals. <coughs> of course, you know, this is where one has to be um, uh, also versed in the different terminology, because in, in England, a fag is, is a cigarette, right? And in America, a flag is a homosexual, so you know, you ask your friend, give me a flag, you know, you ask to be a bird, you can put it down, and I agree. It's a circumstance, right? Anyway, the point is that, um, as I said, in general, 
society looks at homosexuality as a crime, homosexuals have to stay as they used to refer to it as in the closet. There are many people who would pretend to be heterosexual, they got married, they had kids, but really they were homosexuals. They had another, another life, another hidden life you know, from the society. But um, in the 70s, they started coming, as we said, out of the closet. You know, more of them started to identify themselves. They were parading in the streets, demanding their rights also. And eventually, you know, they exerted such an influence on uh, Western society, Western politics, that uh, from the medical profession, their illness was removed from the categories of illnesses. And as I think I mentioned to you before, uh, those people who are opposed to homosexuals were now classified as being gay. Uh, homophobic, right? Uh, so, you know, beyond that, uh, it also became necessary, I mean, in politics, any politician who expressed any kind of opposition. Uh, I remember there was one female public, um, politician in, um, in Florida, and she had expressed some opposition, and the whole country, you know, went haywire over it. And, uh, you know, eventually she even lost her position, in, uh, her political position, and so she became a, a sort of lost in the, in the, in the media, no more position, uh, etc. And it, it came from a so much as it became such an issue that, as, as we mentioned before, you know, Bill Clinton had to make a commitment to homosexuals for his election. And this is what you're going to find now, since his time, prescribed his time, from there on in, all of the candidates, all the people seeking office, have to openly give their commitment for homosexuals. Just as they have to openly give their commitment for the Jewish cause, the Baptist standard. No president. The last you know, 15, 20 years, I've gotten in without making open his commitment to protecting the state of the world. And that's just a part of American politics now. Similarly, now, uh, protecting and promoting homosexual rights has become a part of the political scene in America. Beyond that, I mean, of course, if we look at this relative to democracy and the principles of secular democracy, it may seem quite reasonable and quite good. If the masses of the people agree that it's okay, then what's the problem? Of course, from the Islamic perspective, it's not an issue. We don't decide what is right and wrong according to the opinion of the masses of the people. What God has defined as being wrong or evil remains evil. Right? This is something that is unchangeable, it doesn't change according to Muhammad. It doesn't change according to uh, the whims and fantasies of the society at any given point in time. So, there will never come a time, as far as I could possibly project from an Islamic perspective, there will never come a time where a, an Islamic society will accept homosexuality as acceptable practice. Now, it may become prevalent, or it may exist, 
in, in, in some society in, in other forms or different variations because to be quite honest, uh, in Saudi Arabia, for example, and I don't, I can't speak about the books, I don't know what the situation is here. But I know in Saudi Arabia, you know, there, there, there is, there has been, over the past years, a rise in homosexual activity amongst the Saudis themselves, Saudi youth. And this is not, uh, to put down the society or anything like this, because I live there, and, uh, I don't have anything, you know, against the society to say, but this is something real. Or something that's not in And that may also be the case among the Marathi youth, too, I don't know. But, I mean, I know personally because of the fact that, you know, my son went to school uh, in Arabic, Arabic school, he went up to high school in Arabic, and, you know, he used to come back and tell me, you know, different things which was, which was going out of the school. You know, he was approached by, you know, other students, etc. Right? And, I mean, he, I mean, he was, I mean, he made his position very clear, he, you know, broke up through noses, you know, in the process, but it became very clear that he was interested in this kind of activity at all. But, uh, but the, the point is that it, it was there, I mean, on a personal level, but also was there in the society, also known to me in the society, because people also spoke to me about it, and Saudi youth, etc., spoke to me about it. And, uh, I did see a difference between what was taking place there and what may be taking place here, and that which is in, say, America, right, and England, and other European countries, where homosexuality is in fact really a, a choice where a person has other options. They could be heterosexual, they are, you know, you can buy women, readily available in society, you know, the, you know, free love as it's called, or free sex, sex where people have relations without outside of marriage, is prevalent. So, when a person chooses to be a homosexual in America or in England, they're doing it, you know, this is, this is a way of life they have chosen. Now, in, in places like Saudi Arabia, what has happened because of the fact that in the last, uh, 20-25 years, the, the, uh, vows have soared, you know, gone into this, into huge numbers, where the average youth is not able now to get married as he should have at a reasonable age. And at the same time, the society has opened itself to, uh, a heavy level or a high level of sexuality through the media, through the media, whether it be the magazines or the videos or whatever. So there is a high level of sexuality present in society on that plane. So youth, a number of them, have taken this particular route to fulfill their desires. Of course, this is an ignorance in the lack of, of uh, Islamic instruction, they've taken this route. But the difference is that these same youths, at a certain age, they, in age of in the late 20s, when they are finally accumulated enough to get married, then in most cases they give up that activity, they get married and carry on. So it's not a way of life chosen as like, this is what I'm going to be, this is what I am, and you know, it's, it is more 
more similar to the, the people choosing the root of masturbation in the sin, instead, of, instead of fasting. As Islam has described for young people who are unable to get married, they should fast. Now, others, uh, or maybe many, will not take that route. The root of fasting obviously uh, is going to be linked to faith. Fasting is going to be linked to faith. Faith, when you fast, when you divide now yourself, food and drink, etc. I mean, it has to do with faith in God. So, if as the youth, you know, your place is shaky, you know, your, uh, you know, Muslim name or whatever, uh, when these options are put in front of you, then you're not going to choose fasting. So, the tendency will be, among a number of the youth, to, to choose to not forget it. And, uh, that homosexuality or homosexual activity which comes along with it is so this kind of, this kind of, uh, choice based on the pressure vision are put on the youth by the society itself. And also, uh, the rise in, for example, lesbianism, there's been a similar rise in lesbianism, uh, in case you don't know what lesbianism means, do you know how you have to define that also? Do you know? Alright, so there's a rise there's a rise also in lesbianism, you know, because of the fact that you know, corresponding to the rising uh dowry where a number of women are not able to get married, you know, marriage has been delayed, etc., or they may not get married at all. Which lies in developing society. And um, this is in a response to, as I said, rising, uh, rising dollars, uh, one of the major factors. There could all, there's also, you could say, in the case of lesbianism too, uh, oftentimes, or in some cases, lesbianism may be a response from, from that. Uh, experiences with males, that, you know, males uh, being insensitive in dealing with females may leave bad impressions on those females who find female companionship in a much more um, comfortable than male companionship. Do you want to say something? Pardon? Uh, masturbation is considered by some scholars to be haram, um, by a majority some such haram that dislike something particularly dislike. Yeah. Well, the, the evidence, there is no clear evidence from the Quran or Sunnah to classify it as haram. What there is is circumstantial or, uh, you know, diffused ruling in that, you know, Allah, for example, described in the Surah Rahman, Ibad al-Rahman, right, uh, describing the, uh, the worshippers of Allah as those who protect their private parts, you know, from abuse or use, except with their wives. So, uh, by saying that, it is implying that any other usage is not a, an acceptable usage. 
So they were using it as sort of the um, huge evidence. But I would say in general, we have to say that it is something it's like, meaning if you didn't do it, if a person had an urge to do it and they didn't do it, they are rewarded. They are rewarded. God considers that to be an act of righteousness for which you are rewarded. If a person does not control himself or herself and falls into that practice, then it is not simple, but it is being engaged in something which is dislike God and something which could, because the area of Makru, the dislike, this area is an area where a person who involves themselves much in it eventually falls into haram. The area of Makru is sort of like a buffer zone between the halal you know, the things with the better things and the good things, the recommended, etc., and the prohibited things, the sinful things. Pardon? No, I mean, they, people give uh, names to it like Yitahu Yet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, some of the terms which are used. Maybe you didn't hear that one before. This is Arabic. You know. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, such terminology, which means, because, the same as in Arabic, we don't get into the Arabic here, if we said you know, marrying your hand, right? Uh, this may give the impression right, that it is similar to Zina uh, or fornication. That's all it is. Pardon? Because the issue, the category of something being classified as haram is not, uh, you know, an arbitrary category where, you know, it depends on how I feel. I feel this way, so I'm going to call it haram. He feels that way, so he calls it haram. No, it has to do, there are, there are principles behind it. There are legal principles. And the, the, to classify something as being haram, it has to have been clearly prohibited by Allah or by Go back. Where did you put the um the papers, the assessment papers? You gave it all to him? Huh? Include the pencils and the others? Okay, so you can see if it's okay to go and pick it up from the registration. Or just forget it. Um, <coughs> for the same one. 
Yeah, the point is that uh, defining something as being haram, there are principles behind it. There are principles behind it. The answer of this prohibited in the Quran or in the statements of the Prophet, or some punishment has been assigned to it in Sharia. You know, when the signs of something is haram. Or there is a punishment not only uh, in Sharia in the sense that, uh, that in this world there is a punishment, but uh, the punishment is defined in the next world. You know, a person is going to be in hell because of this, that, and the other. For example, like interest. Dealing in interest, there is no punishment in the Sharia in this world, in this life world. Nobody is rashed or nobody is, you know, punished for the interest in that way. But in the next life, the Prophet may not be defined. Describe the one who deals in interest as, as swimming in a in a uh, a lake of blood, you know, and that uh, people will be uh, throwing rocks into the person's mouth, you know, and something like this, huh? Uh, so this is a uh, this is a person who is dealing in interest, okay? And also, Prophet has said that uh, interest has over 70 branches, and the simplest of the branches of interest is equivalent to insects, to a man having sex with his mother. So that is indicating for us haram, the state of haram. So there has to be some kind of evidence of that. Of course, one may question, for example, the case of cigarettes. Okay, uh, there's some difference of opinions regarding cigarettes. Is cigarette haram or is it maktoo? You know, it has been ruled as maktoo a long time ago. A long time ago, uh, cigarette was ruled as maktoo. Maktoo meaning dislike, which you spoke about. But this ruling was given about 500 years ago. 500 years ago when tobacco first came to to the Muslim world, the churches, right? We talked about this before? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, this ruling was made then. Today, we have other knowledge which indicates that smoking causes cancer, and we know then that uh, anything that we say which can kill us, according to the Quran, is prohibited. So, the ruling of Haram is now based on it. What's not arbitrary ruling? The ruling based on knowledge, because our knowledge uh, will, will change in time. So, information about a particular product or something like this may cause rulings to change from being harmless to harmful. Harmless to harmful. Or harmless. To work in insurance. Well, if the system is in you know, Western style insurance system, then the process of insurance is itself considered to be haram. No, even even the insurance of objects where where it is not following Islamic principles, right, where the insurance is the the, the monies are gained by way of uh, interest. You know, the money that put in banks and the interest accrued from that as well increases your overall capital and this is what you're paying out of, then it still remains. Uh, 
Well, as I said, if the, I mean, if there's the Islamic insurance schemes that are available, you do it through the Islamic insurance scheme. If there are not, and transportation is one of your basic needs in society, right, where the society obliges you to deal with interest through this insurance in order to use a car, then you do it to that degree. So what you do is when you take out coverage, for example, if you don't take out full coverage, you don't take out full coverage, you just take out the minimum, what is the absolute minimum coverage that you can take out to fulfill the requirements of the state of the right? Okay, anybody have any other comments they want to make with regards to previous topic on the problem? Okay. Good. Alright, take your break. Alhamdulillah, Now, the, the next topic is if any of you didn't have any particular topic you want to raise, I'll go on to the topic of uh, crime and punishment. Crime and punishment. Huh? Did you have another topic you'd like to interject yourself? No? Okay. Okay, okay, this uh, is this an issue which is important to you all when you look at it. This has to do with the issue of images, the Islamic prohibition of images. Generally speaking, you know, um, those looking at Islam from the outside look at it as being very conservative in this matter. The idea of taking images and having images. Um, especially those who are classified quote-unquote as fundamentalists you know, who are against the issue of energy. Now, to understand the issue of energy, one has to go back to the, uh, to the previous topic in the laws which were stated by Prophet Moses, you know, which is both the receiving seat of God, that's called the Ten Commandments, among the Ten Commandments is a clear prohibition of making any images of any living beings in Prophet Muhammad has said that the one who has received the most severe punishment on the Day of Judgment would be the picture makers and Mutawwirun to describe them as receiving the most severe punishment on the Day of Judgment. Right? And they will be told, they will be told to put life into the objects that they had created. Okay? Of course, they will not be able to do so. It will be a means of humiliation. They will be humiliated 
on the day of judgment is that they will be commanded to pay these things for life and they will not be able to do so. <coughs> now, Prophet Muhammad may God speak about the Quran also clarified why there is this prohibition on making a finishing. He stated, explaining this, the doctrine of the Quran where uh, references made to idols that were worshipped. Wad, Tuwah, Yahu, Yahu, these names are mentioned as we read the Quran and came across them. Anyway, the Prophet explained that these which had become idols worshipped in the time of the Prophet were originally good people, righteous people in the time of Prophet Noah, in the time of Prophet Noah. They were righteous people who were known for the righteousness. And after they died, Satan had come to the people, to their community, and suggested to them to make images of these people to remind them of their righteousness. So it suggested to them to make images, statues, etc., and place them in the places where they used to sit. The, uh, gathering place, meeting place, placed it by the grave, placed it by the area that they're known to, to have a contact with people. And with this rationale that when they do it, and they would see these, it would remind them of these righteous people and thereby remind them of righteousness. And they did it. And in their time, it used to remind them. They would see the images, they remember the person, and the righteous. However, generations later, when the people, the generations that came afterwards, didn't know what was the purpose any longer of these objects, but just that people gathered by these objects, adored these objects, you know, and leave. Satan then came back and introduced to these people that these objects were merely worshipped by your forefathers. And it was because of their worship that the rain would come, the crops would be fertile and good and so forth, and so the people began shifting from adoration to actual worship of them. And this is how idolatry began. This is what the prophet explained. So from that you know, we can deduce that the prohibition, the primary prohibition of picture making is because of its relationship to idolatry. And this is factual. If you go around the world today, the various pagan systems in the world today, you'll see that they're all using images. Whether it is images of, of animals or images of people or whatever, it is about worshipping images. So, yes? I'm going to go into the detail of that. But we're just looking at it initially. How it was in the past. In the past, it was carving, it was painting, drawing, statues, these were the images, these are the main images in the past, okay? And it is on the basis of this that it has been prohibited in Islam. It has been prohibited in Islam. And why we don't have in our places of worship any images, and traditionally in Muslim homes and Muslim architecture, etc., images didn't play a role. Images of living beings didn't play a role. Trees, you know, are used for flowers and things like this in, in 
different designs, motifs, etc. Were you know there was no objection. But when it came to animal features, this was there was a prohibition across the board. Now in modern times, and this is also why you find if you go to a synagogue, which is the Jewish place of worship, temple, they don't have any images of, of people or animals or free of them. And in fact, for many years after the time of Christ, the use of images in worship for Christians was permitted. And it was a particular period in time that they had this, what was known as the iconoclast movement, you know, where those who were the struggle between those who wanted to use images and against those who didn't. Eventually, the image, those who came with the use of uh, religious images, uh, won, and then they started using images of Christ on the cross, Mary, the saints, etc. It became a heavy, heavy focus on images, images in worship. You know, became a focus for worship in Christianity. But in the initial stages, it was prohibited for hundreds of years. because they had military might behind them and their movement became Doesn't make something which is prohibited permissible. 
this is a mistaken approach that people take. If God prohibited this thing, we cannot come along and say, well, I have a good intention if it's for this purpose and that purpose. No, it was the perfect and perfect. Now, what, what is presently an issue amongst Muslims in the Muslim world is whether photography is included now in imitation. This is what the issue is. Is our photograph only a technological advancement in the making of images or are they in another category? Some scholars hold that it's just an extension. You see, uh, in past times you did it with your hand, you drew it like this, now you press a button and you produce the same thing. You know, so it's just a technological advancement in the process of making images. You know, just like, for example, you know, you can de de design a computer program where you, uh, where you function and make an image on the computer and then that image is transformed, you know, can connect to a machine, it's like some card or some mold, and it will make an object just like what you made, you know, on the computer. Even though what you're putting in on the computer originally are just zeros and ones, you know, in the end it comes out with an image. So, they make that to the point to the end product is an image, an image of a human being, or an animal, or whatever, and this is only the technological advancement. Other scholars actually try to hold that this is in another category. It is more similar to mirrors, an image in a mirror. And even those who prohibit, for example, photographs, in general, they tend to permit television. They will permit the images which are portrayed on the television. So the fact of the matter is that these images, if they go on film, it's really still images that are run at a particular rate which gives the illusion of movement. So in the end, it's all one. The issue is, what is happening in the process of making an image, a photograph? That light is captured on paper, right? Treated with certain chemicals, etc. And the image which is there, the actual image, sorry, the image which is actually there is passed through a lens, caught on the paper, and that is produced. What is on the paper is what was out there, basically. And a copy of it. But the human hand is not directly involved in this stuff. Where a photograph is retouched, they use an airbrush. For example, take a picture or a passport picture, and they use an airbrush and they remove your pimples and dimples and things, and you know, now you're looking very smooth and you know, whatever. Then this becomes a painting. It becomes equivalent now to that painting the drawing is similar. It's no longer in that other category. Now, the question arises, you know, why is in modern times people, even those who are actually making images, carving, drawing, Picasso, you know, Rembrandt, and things like this, why should we consider these things to be haram? Well, the fact of the matter is that if the people idolize the way that people look at them, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's uh, Mona Lisa, I think, the way, well, they don't pray for it. They have worshipped and take many different forms. The point is 
the point is that if you tell one of these hard lovers, right, the average hard lover, you tell a missus, you know, the uh, Louvre, the, the museum in France is going to burn down, right, you're in there, and there's this Mona Lisa, and there's a little baby, everybody's run out. You can only take one, right? Which are you going to take? Just tell you in a minute, I'll take the Mona Lisa. Why? Well, because baby, you can always get another baby. You can't get another Mona Lisa. True. And if it becomes that way with anything, then that love, that kind of love for that thing becomes forbidden love. And anything in drawing, these kind of, these arts, they invite people to that. And if you listen to how the artists speak, what their goals are, they'll tell you. You know, I want to create something larger than life. They'll put it like this. Larger than life. See, larger than life. Something greater than what actually exists. So there is that desire on their part to, you know, create issue of creation. And it captures people, and it, and it turns into adoration. So the point is that photograph is, for the majority of scholars who hold that photographs are permissible, they're fine as long as they're kept in a uh, particular status, not of being uh, elevated to adoration. When they come up with posters now of your favorite pop star, you know, which is flashed on your wall, you know, and you idolize, then it becomes not forbidden. If you take photographs of your parents, you blow them up, stick them up on your wall, and you know, and they become fake uh, images for adoration, then it's also forbidden. Adoration to be adored, you know. Oh, look at that, you know. Oh, you know, this, this kind of attitude works, huh? Yeah, yeah. What a nice picture. You know, what a nice picture. People come to your home, you want them, you bring them over to look at it, you know. You know. I'm telling you, according to Islamic law, to set it up on the wall, to put it up to be seen, etc. According to Islamic law, this is prohibited. Because the adoration of these images leads ultimately, it leads ultimately to forms of worship. They become worship. If you look at the image of Khomeini, Look at the image of Khomeini in Iran, where Khomeini's image is everywhere. It becomes an object of worship for the people. That is, but, but you see, one is taken to the final end. The point is that, in a Islamic perspective, things which will lead to it, we stop them. Well, you don't, you don't have to put it on the wall to see it. I mean, if you keep it in an album, okay, hold on a minute, please, people. People, how does this prevent the angels from coming to the home? Prophet Muhammad may not be the angels will not enter homes in which there are images hung and dogs. There are images hung and dogs. Well, I'm, I'm telling you what Prophet Muhammad said. Huh? I didn't know this. Did he say this has nothing to do with prayer or not non-prayer? 
This is just for the prophecy. No, no, no. No, it didn't say that. It just said that angel, that this is a very clarified this is the angels of mercy, okay? These are angels of mercy that may accompany you. And these angels will not enter the home where their images hung and God's protect. Okay? But angels that record your deeds, recording the deeds of your prayers, that's so there, there with you. They're there. Okay, that's another issue you want to talk about, Captain Dalton? Okay, I will finish my images first before we go, before we go into another topic. Hold on, next week. I will finish my images. Okay. So ask the question of images. Where? No, because these are not carvings of human beings or animals. But what has been specifically prohibited is living creatures, animals, and human beings. It's okay. Picture of the mountains, scenery, buildings, drawings of buildings. If it's in an album it's out of the way, it's not given. No, it's set up. If it's set up with the thing behind it, fucking it up, you know. It's become, it's become, it's a form of hanging. It's a form of setting it up for people. No, it's not an issue, it's not an issue. People, people, people. Come on. We're going to discuss it just for me. You're talking what I'm talking about. Yes. The point is, the point is in terms of images of worship. The issue is not for a person to say, I am not worshiping it because, for example, I would say, okay, I want to get, you know, I, I went to the Far East you know, when I was in Thailand or I was in Cambodia and I found a beautiful statue of Buddha. Right? You know, Buddha, right? Buddha is the object of worship for the Buddhist, right? It's beautiful. I really like it, so I'm doing a visit to my home, I'm keeping my home. Not to worship it, but my intention to worship it. But it's just for decoration. As a statue of Buddha? No. 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 So, what I'm saying is try to understand, try to understand the reasoning, try to give this line of reasoning. The point is that keeping that statue, this is an object of worship for other people. For, uh, for you to keep it in your home for decoration is not acceptable. It's Even though your intention is only decoration and not worship, that act is for you. So you don't use your intention to justify what has been prohibited. What has been prohibited is the hanging of images. 
No, but if you admire it, what are you admiring here? You're admiring an image of... But you're admiring an image of paganism. It is. What? Okay, that image which has been created, it created that you created. The image which you have created is a composite of other images that you have seen. You cannot create what doesn't exist. What your mind is, what you're not seeing with your eyes, this is what when you as a painter and you put something together, you're going to put it together from things you've seen. So you are, you are creating an image here. An image is built in pieces and parts of other parts of the living part of creation. It's imaginary. Yeah, it's imaginary. But we are involved with it. We are involved with it. Hold on, people. Let's take it one step. Take it one step at a time. Come on! The point you're raising, am I trying to convince you that everything that you're doing in your life is around? No, this is not. In conclusion, we ask Allah that He brings you benefit through this lecture. For more information, you may contact us through the following address. The Islamic Propagation Office, Rabwa, P.O. Box 29465, Riyal 11457, Saudi Arabia. Phone 445-4900. Also, 4916065. Fax 4970126. If you would like to listen to more beneficial lectures, feel free to visit our website at www.islamhouse.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.